0: Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to part two of the Kenny Kane interview. If you have not listened to episode 107, Kenny Kane part one, stop this immediately. Go back and listen to that. In that episode, Kenny sort of tees up some of the practical coaching, business, and sort of personal advice ...that we talk about in today's episode. So if you want a framework for what we're talking about, go back and listen to part one last week. Um, As we get on to part two, Kenny shares with us some, some personal stories that he has experienced as a business owner and as a coach... ...as he takes this vision that he has in his head. And if you listen to Kenny talk, you really can pick up on this... He has a vision that he can see what an athlete will look like 10 years from now if they follow a certain course of action. He can see what his affiliate should look like in an ideal scenario. And as entrepreneurs, this is a super common feeling of having this vision of where you want your business to be, your athletes to be, your staff to be down the road. And that's something that only you can do. But... We'd be lying if we said that it wasn't frustrating waiting for that vision to be enacted. That's sort of the gist of what we talk about today is how do you take that vision, break it down to the day-to-day, and remain happy and fulfilled while you're making that vision come true. So again, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to part one. Otherwise, enjoy Kenny came part two. We'll see you next week. Kenny, you're jogging a a thought, a a memory that that I'm having of an incredible conversation I had with Carl Powell and this picture that Mm -hmm. you're painting of sort of efficacy and longevity in not even fitness, but almost wellness is sort of the picture you're painting for me. Carl said to me, he goes, I became the muscle-up guy. I became this guy where people came to my seminars and... They expected me to give them the one thing that unlocked their muscle-up. And for a long time, I resisted that. And then I realized that, oh, a muscle-up is the thing that's getting them to come to me. It's my responsibility to now show them what they actually need in their movement practice. And I, I frame this to say the market says six weeks to shredded abs. Six weeks before beach season, come get your shredded abs. And I imagine there are people that come to CrossFit LA thinking they want a certain thing. Uh, So my question for you, Kenny, is what do you show them they need when they come to you for something else?
1: Well, first, let's dive into Carl's stuff because Carl's – he's always been a very profound thinker um, and arguably one of the best people at simplifying big ideas. Mm. But um, right before his book came out, we worked together for some time. Like he was showing me his sort of like principle-based system and I was sharing my principle-based system. We, we geeked out for like a week, um, sort of mind mapping stuff. And one of the things that if you look at the, the muscle-up itself and the way that Carl teaches it, you've got a couple different – conversations within the conversation of a muscle-up. The first is in the bottom of it, there's an expression of this hollow position, which is universally important to people's movement. Part two, sequentially, is extension. So can you create some global flexion? Can you then go from that like a bow might to create some global extension. That's whether you ever get a muscle up or not, like those, just that alone is super helpful in a movement practice. Then you, with his progressions and the way that he teaches it, you use the legs to pull. Now pulling is significant in human movement. So you go from flexion to extension to a little bit of pull with the leg. Okay, now can you flex, not globally, from, from that leg, you're flexing leg, now you're gonna start to flex your spine very quickly. And then you wind up in the hole. And these things go one, two, three, and four as a sequence. And regardless about the movement, like actually sticking the muscle up if you go if you look at the applicability of those things like that flexion from the hip to the spine is a sit-up or it's getting out of bed if you look at hip extension that's a jump that's a basketball shot it's a variety of different things if you look at hollow it is just such an elemental piece of a push-up a pull-up if you want it to reveal itself like a gymnast might Um, But it's also a beautiful way to learn the fundamentals of basic bracing between your pelvis and your rib cage. Like it's, it's brilliant. It's elegant. It's so simple yet. and, And the great thing about Carl's teachings is that each one of those things can branch off and teach the coach and the practitioner some, some value, right? Like, and it, like if you, if you really dissect that, and I'm going to segue your question about Carl and use his work as it relates to CFLA, you go, look, is the value of the muscle-up or is the value of learning the things in the muscle-up that reveal things about you mm. and things that are good and bad and need work and things that are brilliant um, and natural for you? Mm. And that in and of itself, like teaching that as a contextual roadmap can be a really good platform to help somebody understand themselves with with more depth. So when somebody comes into the gym, the hardest part, I think, for me and our coaches, is we're still known as a CrossFit gym, and we're going to... We're stuck with the name L.A., CrossFit L.A., right? So that's mm-hmm. not – that's really good and really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I say I say really bad in the sense that all the things that move me more than anything in this fitness thing has really – outside my mom. Um, well, I can't say that. Martial arts and mm-hmm. and – this stuff was very influential to me, but like, man, this, 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 this slowing down the conversation for people coming in is one of the hardest things for all of us. And I'll be honest with you, like, it's not an easy, it's just not easy. Um, people, people are like, well, Because they'll come in and go, hey, I I noticed on the thing that you're a CrossFit gym. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. And then, well, tell me about the way that you do it. Okay. This is the way that we do it. So is it CrossFit? Sounds like more of a philosophy. Um, It's like, yeah, because we have this whole thing where we do mental toughness days, practice days, competition days. And, and then we start getting into like our progressions or test retest models, like all these really sophisticated things. And they're, Intended just for people to like do hard metrics to go is my fitness improving? Not not my psychology, not my emotionality, not anything else. Just is my fitness improving? And then what we try to show them along the way, or offer to them as far as value is like, yeah, look, the fitness is a conduit to something that's a little bit deeper, which is the 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 everyday mindset, the everyday emotionality. And this is a constant evolution, and these things are never separable. We, we'd like for them to be, and there day, are days where we just need to come in and move and have it be about what the body's doing in space and time and just leave it at that. Um, but that statement right there, if you investigate it a little further, is intended for those that hear it like, fuck, I'm, I'm stressed out, I just need to move.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, right. So what's your mental state? You're stressed out. Mm. Okay, so, so yes, you, you can't, like, there's no separation of these things
0: mm.
1: at any point. Mm. So whether people, whether there's, there's an admission of that or not, whether there's coaching of that or not, um, you know, there's always you know, appropriate interpretation, interpretations of that, and there's always, you know, a misunderstood interpretations of that, but the, the, the intent here is to go, how do we how do we lengthen the conversation for the person so that that way when you when we say to somebody hey, you're being kind of a stubborn asshole which all of our coaches are capable of saying to anybody at any time, can our population hear that mm. um, or can they not? And like'm I'm, I'm you know oh. increasingly more, um, more convinced that, that our people are able to see that experience that. And I, and I say that because, you know, we, we don't have high tur- turnover really. Like there's not, people don't come and go really quick. If they come they're, they're generally coming for a while mm-hmm. and a while means several years. Mm-hmm. And that's, we're not like a turnover machine and we're not a volume machine. And to me, that fits the, the way that we're operating in the market matches the conversation that we're trying to have. Like we want people who are interested in having the conversation about intentional, sustainable growth. Like that's, that's, what's compelling.
0: Kenny. Mm. Mm. Um, um, so I'm, what I'm trying to frame here, what I'm trying to think about is what you're saying is there's no separation between mind and physicality, right yeah
1: um how is or or, or emotionality
0: by okay. the way yes yes yes, okay um I think about this and i and I think about myself right i can I can visualize mm-hmm. this idea. As as Matt, in my training life, I, I listen to you and I completely resonate with that. I put on a different hat and it is Matt, business owner Matt. You know what I mean? How, Kenny, do you go about injecting this culture of this emotionality, physicality, the mental as a part of this sort of congruent program? Because at a certain point, something's got to go up onto the whiteboard, right? Yep. Describe to me how how does this become the pervasive message of CrossFit LA?
1: Yeah, um, I'm gonna say very clumsily. Um, usually, um, you know what I have in my mind's eye as like a communication of these higher principles is not what is. Executed very elegantly, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you know, sometimes it comes out and fits,
0: mm. sometimes
1: it comes out really, really well. Mm. Um, there are times where I get, you know, last year I was there's a point last year, man, I was so you know, I'd lost both of my parents at the end of 2015. Mm. You know, we've got an infant at home, not sleeping. And then along the way, I'd lost three of my mentors. Mm. Uh, I lost my karate instructor, one of my track coaches, my soccer coach from high school, all within six months. And then on top of that, six more friends that had died. Mm. Um, so I was uh, I was pretty fragile emotionally.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And there was a point where I was coaching one of her classes and I was, I, I came off and I felt like I was being so authentic and so pure. And I just sort of tried to bitch slap them to kind of get them. Because I, what I felt was they were really being stubborn about, what workouts they felt were valuable Mm. and what workouts they weren't getting anything from. And what I was seeing was a group of people who were incapable. Let's just call it dips. Like I say, I think it was about dips or something like that. Like they would, if, so we had, we were programming like, and they they were as far as like physical intensity, pretty, pretty low intensity workouts, but as far as like actual skill, like there, there was a couplets and triplets that included dips and 10 strict dips. And very few people can actually do ten strict, really nice dips mm. on the rings. Mm. And what would happen is that people would just they, they would get together and go and do other like especially the morning crews. They'd go, let's go track and do this really hard and it will work out with burpees or whatever the fuck it was. Mm. You know, and I and I just I got wind of that and it pissed me off because you know the the, the stubborn, arrogant Frustrated, exhausted, angry Kenny was just like, don't you see the value that we're trying to offer? We are trying to keep your overall fitness balanced. And in just simply showing up to practice, practice the dip, you are becoming a person that is exercising something that we don't practice often, which is patient practice something that you're physically incapable of currently. So how do you fix that? You dose it (laughs) and people wouldn't turn up to the things. Mm. So there was one time where I just exploded. I laid into people and I got feedback and I don't often get feedback that Kenny, you're an asshole and you're a real dick. (laughs) Um, And, and I did. And it was, like, for the fir- one of the first times in a long time. That, And, and usually, if that does come to, back to me, I'll go, well, was I right? And it was, it's not about being right. It's just about, like, my job is to coach you. And yeah. part of coaching is, to, like, my, my biggest job, because I care so fucking much, is to help you live a balanced thing. And our whole thing is about balance. That's the value system that we're offering. And if you can't appreciate the value, I don't know what to tell you. And so the feedback came back, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to keep myself in check. Like, the exhausted guy. And look at, like, I would probably say I was just lashing out more than anything, like any human being, because I was in emotional pain. Like, I was just, I was a hurt human, and I was just, I was at my end. You know, Mm -hmm. any rational person is going to go, yeah, that sounds about right. Everybody died, and you've got an infant running around, and you're trying to run a business. Like, that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the, but the lesson was for me, like, I don't, I don't get a whole lot of leg room to be that much of a bastard. And that's hard because it requires me to be the same thing that I expect of my people disciplined. And if, if I, if I can't be disciplined when I'm the most frustrated, most exhausted, most human can I expect out of them? And so the lesson's on me, and I need to embody that in my own work, and that, Matt, is not easy, mm. um, especially after the last fucking few years, because mm. you're right, as a business owner, as a coach, you, like, if you really care, you want the best for your people. And when they, when they're showing, like, just a basic stubbornness, and you, and, and they just, yeah, yeah, I got it. And like, I have a hard time with, yeah, yeah, I got it. Cause I'm like, no, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have any of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause the moment that you think you got it, I can show you six things that in the, that you don't have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like knock it off. And no, you don't, nobody has anything. It's just, we're all working to get better period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, but that, that, that's growth mindset versus like, you know, the yeah, yeah guy's it. like, well, I just want to get my thing. And i said it's fixed. It's good. It's, you know, like, And I have this, like, passion for, like, well, if you have the willingness to be, like, humble enough to just go, all right, yeah, I'm kind of working on it. Like, it seems good, but it can be better.
0: It's a a surrender. I think that – I think what you – when I hear you tell that story, you want people to experience, like, surrender to a process. And I think, especially coming from a martial arts background, Kenny – That, to me, I see martial arts from an outsider looking in as a surrender to a process, as a huge part of it. Is that kind of where that came from?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, it's completely... Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mentioned this earlier. If we look at things that are... uh, I mentioned the word evergreen. Like, what's what's lasted thousands of years? Mm. Martial arts. Mm -hmm. What's lasted thousands of years? Yoga. What... What's the, what's the commonality between those two disciplines? They refer to themselves as practices.
0: Mm.
1: Martial arts isn't defined as I'm a belt and I kick people's ass. Like the UFC would like us to think that. <laughs> but that's not what it is. The UFC will die at some point. It will. Mm. Maybe, not in, maybe not in our lifetime. But as a business, it'll die and something else will replace it. But what will live on? Martial arts. And what would the real masters continue to teach? Listen, you fucks. This is a practice,
0: <laughs> um, Kenny. I I want to somewhat switch gears because I think we're onto something really interesting here. Uh, up until this point, we've talked about this almost a difference between these market based solutions and this sort of rubber meets the road practice. What is actually sustainable? on the individual level. And I kind of want to hear from you. I want to talk about how you interact with the market. And a lot of our listeners, uh, most of our listeners, all are fitness entrepreneurs of some sort. Um, They are CrossFit gym owners. They own yoga studios. They maybe have personal training studios and things like that. Um, We talk oftentimes on this show about how difficult... Owning a gym can be. I want to start off with this. Compared to making your way through comedy, does owning a gym feel like a cakewalk?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and and owning
0: a gym is brutal. Like,
1: you know, I mean, I just I I, I feel like I, I told this somebody recently. Like, we are building is an old. It was at one point a garage. And then it became a martial arts studio, and then A Patronic bought or like uh, leased it back in 2009. He'd been in another location at CFLA for five years before that. So um, we we we're in Santa Monica, which is arguably one of the most punitive municipalities in. The country as far as like running a small business the the level of and every every small business owner knows like oh you gotta go to talk to the city okay now you gotta talk to the state mm-hmm. but first you have to talk to the city mm-hmm. oh no this mm-hmm. thing's federal so now you you got to talk to the federal government the federal government won't tell you you gotta get something from the city that recognizes you as a thing and then oh, oh but but the city needs something from the federal government so <laughs> it's like okay well it, and all of us get in those loops well mm. recently And I think then if a lot of of your listeners are um, space owners and business owners, we had the fire department come in and the fire department was like, um, Hey, um, you don't have a illuminated exit sign on the, the, the three doors and Matt understand that one side of our building, is, is brick, and there's there's only three doors out, and they're all on the on the glass side of the building that, that <laughs> have entrances. So the 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 read the, the, re, the <laughs> so they go, and we had exit signs over the thing, but they go it has to be illuminated, and, and just a. And in my head, and this is on one of those months where I'd spent a lot and it was going to be a grand to do the thing. Oh. And I just, I was like, and we, and then the, like the insurance came around and then everybody's favorite is, uh, what was it? It's, um, workman's comp. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, which was th- that, that particular, um, payment was six grand you know that we get divided up a couple times a year and i'm just i you know we're paying the staff more which means our workman, workman's comp goes up mm-hmm. which is just not i didn't realize that before buying the business i was like that's fucked um <laughs> and especially when there's never been a claim and then some guy shows up once a year to audit you mm-hmm. on 24 hours notice and he's very he's the most unfriendly man in the world <laughs> and he's like okay I get to make you very, very feel uncomfortable for all the things that you don't know. And this goes under our calculation. Okay. It's six grand a couple times a year. Like, what? Like, no, no. For what? What are we getting covered for? Like, anyway. So then the, the fire department's like, well, you got to eliminate these things. And, and then we go, okay, well, and then, then it's on us. We go to pay for this thing. It's a grand. And, and in my head, Matt, I'm sitting there going, who – Who cannot figure out that if there's a fire, that side of the building is a brick wall. The other side of the house is doorways. Like, we need to illuminate signs for that? Like, what, like, how does that, how how does that make any sense? And then they're like, "Yeah, by the way, we're going to come back in a couple of weeks, and if it's not, then we're going to write you up." It's like, "Okay." Like, and so that's a that that was last month. And so every month there's one of these things where somebody just shows up and goes unannounced, you know. And then I have the city show up sometimes. And they go, "We're going to do a thing, and we're going to investigate. And we're going to see if you're compliant." I'm like, do "You guys make appointments," and like, "No, we can't do that." I'm like, "But when I go to you guys, I have to make an appointment." I'm like, "Yeah, it doesn't work both ways." I'm like. <laughs> Literally, that's the quote. Uh-huh. Like, okay, well, huh. In the ethics of what we would like to qualify as fairness, which is the reason for all these laws to be in place, that fundamentally does not feel, quote, fair. But I can't leverage – so, listen, all these things are a little headaches, but, dude <laughs> – being a stand-up comedian is just like so brutal. It's so
0: it's so much more brutal than that. <laughs> what what it's so much more brutal what lessons I mean, from what I understand, I, I obviously have never made any attempt to to become a stand-up comedian for what sounds like good reason, Kenny, but um what about that experience prior to being an entrepreneur prepared you for these sort of illuminated exit signs?
1: Uh, Well, you you just never know what's going to happen.
0: Like you go and
1: a show can be going great. And then a couple can get into a fight about their marriage because of something you said about it. An alarm, I used to have this bit about an alarm clock going off and women with cold feet, they'd shove their cold feet into your thighs and then they'd hit snooze alarm for an hour and then you'd lose an hour of sleep and then you multiply the hour of broken sleep, divide up a nine minute intervals to the alarm over X amount of years that you're in the relationship and you realize that you have lost a profound amount of sleep, um, not counting the cold. So if you you know extrapolate that, you go, you lose an hour of sleep in the middle of the night due to the cold feet and then the alarm on nine minute intervals for sixty three minutes in the morning for an hour, that's two hours of sleep per night, it starts to multiply very quickly. Right. So <laughs> in in just one week, you've lost two nights of sleep. <laughs> right. So yeah, that yeah. that bit would <laughs> that bit would just set people off. You know, like you'd have some woman and then you'd have the dude going, It's so true. And then the wife's going, No, it's not, I hate you. <laughs> and it's like we're getting a divorce and then people would fight and i was like oh god my not... it's a comedy show guys it's a comedy show <laughs> and, and 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 so you know so fights would happen people would attack me on stage people booing me like um you know one time i I described this on a podcast one time i was in um was it Missouri? Missouri in 2008 getting out of a Blackhawk and we were late several hours to mm-hmm. the show, which meant that fifteen hundred troops were were in a hundred and twenty degree heat waiting for us. And I got off the Blackhawk and we'd rotate which comedian was going first. I got off the Black Hawk and we're we the, the our um our guide said, Hey, we're gonna land and literally the first person is going straight on stage. Um So we landed and we landed behind this big giant tent that could seat 1,500 people. And when we landed, there was a big truckload of people. Well, these people were Al-Qaeda and they had the black um, um, little pillowcases over their heads. I don't know what the actual term for that is, but um, like I'm a civilian and I'm first of all, getting off of a Blackhawk as a civilian, Mm -hmm. wearing armored gear, which is its own sort of thing, trying to mentally prepare myself to go prepare for 1,500 people who are angry because it's 120 degrees, and they've been sitting there for several hours waiting. And then there's this, uh, you know, group of people who I'd seen on TV shows uh, news, going, those are the bad guys that try to kill us. Like, <laughs> and then I, I had 20 seconds at most to process that and then go on the stage and go, hey, how you guys doing? Which is <laughs> so like, like, those are the adjustments, right? So it's like that—that that is, you know, I got dozens of stories like that. Dozens of just, you know, you, you and you, you just can't, the, the 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 ability to kind of move from moment to moment under those conditions teaches you one principal thing. You have that which you want to communicate, let's call it your set, your art, the thing that you were hired to do, which people purchase. Okay, that's the that's the here's the money, go do the thing that we purchased you to, to do. Okay, fair enough. Now, what happens between that exchange is very complicated sometimes with things that you cannot predict. Mm. So what you learn is that I'm here to convey a message. What your experience is most of the time I can convey that message. Plenty of times
0: I don't get the opportunity to
1: do that because shit goes haywire. Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, (laughs) I love that. I love that picture of being able to roll with and adapt to the unknown to the fighting couple. You know, it makes motivating a class at five o'clock in the morning seem like a cakewalk.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, people are just bringing People carry their stuff, man. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because then of comedy is never intended to get personal, Mm -hmm. but boy does it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like people, people, audiences, personalize stuff and Mm -hmm. they just project it back onto you and you go, wait, I'm here to bring some light and some levity, Mm -hmm. even though what I might be talking about is dark, but, I'm not intending to hurt you, Mm. but people can interpret it as hurt. Mm. Like you're personally attacking them. It's like, I don't know you. Like I'm the one with a spotlight on me. I literally, I literally can barely even see you right now. (laughs) And I certainly never met you. So it's not personal. Like, but you're interpreting it as personal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah.
0: Oh, uh, so Kenny, I I like to wrap up every show with some tangible things that our listeners can take away and put into their business. So I've got just a couple questions for you. Um, the first is this: if if Kenny today could go back and talk to Kenny uh, the day that you bought CrossFit LA, what would Kenny today tell that Kenny?
1: Um. Well I think the biggest thing is focus on a balanced leadership approach which is to say figure out a way where you can utilize your strengths and utilize other people's strengths to keep the whole balance. And we've done that, but I don't know if I had realized just how significant that is. Um, And the other part of that is to just, Be mindful of the balance between vision and righteousness mm. versus humility and listening.
0: Huge, yeah. Um, especially important, I think. Somebody, uh, I Kenny, I see you as somebody that has uh, pictures in your head of things in their ideal state. Uh, you know some yep. might call this vision, but I just I in listening to you talk, you see the way things should be or the uh, the way you would idealize certain situations but while that is a gift, Kenny, I also believe that that can be a detriment to an entrepreneur yep. because between today and that vision being a reality is a really really frustrating time <laughs>
1: You know, it's funny you say that, Matt. Like when I when I created the um the contextual process, practice, we we've we coined it the mastery method, but um whatever whatever sort of language decorates it best. Um the I've always felt like this is a twenty year gamble. Mm-hmm. To see this thing through to the way that I want it to be because we're talking about having a routinized practice of a mindset, emotionally connected space to physicality where the where the people doing it and the Sherpas are on the same page all the time or the majority of the time moving things forward. That is – it's very different than going – Hey, we're going to, we're going to help you with your Jackie time. We're going to help you back squat. We're going to help you clean. We're going to help you understand a muscle up, whatever. Like those are all, those are all pieces of it, but it's not, that's not the thing. It's not. And what I'm trying to communicate is a longevity practice that utilizes movement to help improve body of life, human connection, and like I've mentioned now, I think three or four times, intentional, sustainable growth. Like that is the value system. So, and that's that's our narrative. That's how we define our, what we're doing for the podcast and what we're doing for the gym. And if we're misguided on those things, like we can, we can assess and address that.
0: I love that, Kenny. The last thing that uh, I want to leave our listeners with is there are undoubtedly people listening to this that own a gym and maybe are having that thought of I'm in deeper than I thought I would be. This is not – I thought it would just be like burpees and fun and my friends. Uh, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Kenny, um, you know – through your experience, you have a lot of experience in this industry. What would you say to that person that is maybe feeling that right now?
1: You know, it's a mix. I'm, I'm very divided. So I got two two guys that would answer that question in, in opposite ways, right? There's the business guy that goes, "Look, if it doesn't make sense for you and your family, you can't do it. Just recognize that. Like if it if if it just doesn't stack up, then get out of the way." Um then there's the passion part of me that's just sort of like do die like or, or die doing the thing, which is get after it, you know, like burn every part of your savings to, to do the thing and make the thing. And then if you know, then that works, then you get to stand on the on the greatest victory you've ever had. Um, you know and, and that's just truth you know I, I mean I have those two guys dancing all the time back and forth and they're not they don't uh, gosh they don't they don't really they don't see eye to eye mm. um, I think it's a lot different one thing I do observe is I and this this I think it is different if you're a parent I think Parenting is sort of like when you're a parent, that's sort of the dividing line. Um, Cause I notice on that question alone, like a lot of people that don't have kids have a very different sort of conversation. It's more like um, more risk oriented, more about crushing mediocrity with excellence um, versus somebody with kids. is sort of like, Look, man. Like I, I have to make some. Like I have to go home at six to go have dinner with my child. I don't get to stay to eight thirty and crush mediocrity. You know what I mean? Mm. Crushing yeah. mediocrity means that I, I, don't get to see my child go to sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: What is you know? What kind of human am I when that happens? Mm. Like that's not cool. Um, and so I think it's sort of th- there's a balance to all this stuff.
0: Uh, um, I, I, yeah. I, what I appreciate about that, Kenny, is that it is your honesty in that answer. Because the truth is, there are times when it doesn't work out. I don't think there's any shame in admitting when things do not work out. It it's not the totally. it's not the end of everything, and I think that's an important thing for for people to hear. Certainly, um, people in our audience that feel like you know just trying to fit things together that, that maybe don't actually fit together. So I think you've provided us with a, a lot of, a lot of things to think about, Kenny. So um, Kenny, I really appreciate uh, your conversations. You are you paint a great picture with words, you uh, I think have given us the opportunity to think about why we do what we do, uh, moving beyond just what is driven by the market. And what is really kind of inside of us? What do we hope to achieve for the people that are sort of under our coaching, under our, you know, our influence, I guess, for lack of a better term? So, uh, Kenny, I appreciate you so much, man.
1: Maddie, thank you. Thank you. And likewise, I really appreciate the opportunity to to have this conversation. Excellent, excellent questions. Excellent. Uh, You're an excellent dude. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me on on your show, man.
0: Well, certainly, brother. So, uh, Kenny, where can people find you? Uh, podcasts, anything, any other projects you've got coming up? How yep. do we get a hold of you? Yep, yep.
1: Um, Our podcast is um, The Body of Knowledge. We have a website, thebodyofknowledge.com. Um, our Insta handle is uh, The Body of Knowledge. As well, I'm at CrossFit Los Angeles. We're going to be rebranding sometime this year, and I don't know when that is. So depending on when somebody listens to this, it's currently um, May of 2017, but by midsummer and uh, beginning of the fall, we'll probably have another name or an adjoined name. Um, but people can find us here across at Los Angeles. Um, the mastery method is like a programming conversation. We do lead workshops with um, coaches that are interested in developing their coaching practice and their contextual practice. It's a two day sort of workshop. We spend 18 hours, um, helping coaches develop their craft. It's very intense, very labor intensive and for, for very small groups. Um, so we have that as well. People can reach me at Kenny at CrossFit LA or Matt at CrossFit LA, um, to find out more about that as well.
0: Kenny Kane, my man. Thank you so much for your time, uh, listeners. Go check out the, the podcast. Check out the the workshops that Kenny's got going on. Kenny, we'll be sure and uh, reach back out. I'd love to chat with you after this summer and, and talk about the the rebrand and all of that. I think that would be an interesting oh, discussion for us. So, all right. I feel like you could you could teach me a lot there. So that'd <laughs> be great. All right. Well, uh, listeners, we'll see you next week, Kenny. Thank you so much. Thank you, bud. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Three Two One Go podcast. As a reminder, if you want to join hundreds of other gym owners from all around the world in completing an online marketing course over the next three months in our hub platform, we will be teaching you all about marketing. What's even better is you'll be doing it with other people. You'll be inside of our Three Two One Go think tank. You have the ability to ask questions from experts in. Social media, paid advertising, content marketing, and marketing strategy. So hop on board with us as we teach you how to market your gym and get more leads in the door over the next three months. Your first seven days in the hub are free. If you want to cancel during those first seven days, by all means do so. But hop on board, 321goproject.com backslash hub.